I used a lot of analytics to make decisions early on and less inner knowing. And now I feel like I'm, I'm figuring out how to use more inner knowing and trusting that kind of insight that's coming from within. What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. So happy to be here today with a long-term friend, colleague of mine from, I think we first met back in 2008, Mr. Ryan Stanley, joining us out from San Diego, California. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you for having me, Scott. This is fun. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Ryan, you've got a lot going on right now. Uh, we talked a little bit before we got started about all the entrepreneurial ventures you're in after a long career in really kind of the quote unquote corporate world. But uh, really, let's just start with uh, your founding of and now leading the soul of yoga. Let's just talk about what the decision making was to get you started in that. And then we'll see where our conversation goes as you're now in multiple entrepreneurial ventures here in your post corporate life. Sure. Well, I kind of fell into this venture, um, it, it maybe maybe meant to be and f- fell into it at the same time. But um, yeah, it, w- coming from the, the company that, that we both worked for, Scott, um, and I had some um, some critical decisions to make with that company about kind of continuing on and trying to, to um, make my corporate life work or maybe trying something different. And um, yeah, to be honest, one of the biggest things that um, impacted me was doing a program called Personal Mastery with Learning mm, as yeah. Leadership. Yeah, and um, and at that time, it helped me really to refocus on what my goals were in life and and what I really wanted to be participating with. Right. And um, and for me at that time, it was I it was pretty evident that that I wasn't going to be able to make both things work. Continue to pursue kind of the that corporate path and at the same time, uh, make some of those personal things in life I wanted to make happen all come together. And, and I was at a place where, um, luckily, you know, that company did really well that we worked for and it, it yeah. put, put me in a place where I could take a little time off if I, if that was the right path. And ultimately that's what I decided was, um, it's kind of a, um, you know, a cliche thing of kind of midlife, corporate world, <laughs> find corporate yourself, world midlife right? crisis, find, find yourself, find myself. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, but what I, what I discovered at that time was this possibility of just taking a sabbatical. And, um, that was my intention was to take time off maybe a year or two. That's what I agreed to with my wife was no longer than two years okay. to find myself and figure out what was, what was next. And during that time, I started practicing a lot of yoga okay. and, um, the studio I was practicing at and I was really seeking quite a, a bit of answers about what I might do next. And the studio I was practicing at was was in severe financial distress. And a lot of the work I had done before was with businesses that were um, sort of in that realm of, of um, like um, one acquisition that we worked on together, Scott, that was a yeah. similar story. The reason why the acquisition happened was because that company was in financial distress, needed restructuring. And the same was true for this yoga business. But I thought no way I would get involved with it um, oh. when the owners kind of asked me to get involved with it. Um, no no possibility. But the more I explored it, the more I realized um, not only did it satisfy a lot of things in, in my 
um, kind of personal pers- pursuit of meaning in life. But also I saw it as no matter whether it was successful or not, it was going to be an amazing first small business to own. Yeah. It had a lot of um, things going for it that, that including the brand and the goodwill within the community and things that would be very expensive for me to build. And um, the opportunity to kind of take it forward at that point, I thought of as, as at worst being an incredible learning experience. Yeah. Which is a great spirit of which to, to look at it, right? Because owning a business and being part of a larger business Man, are they made? Man, are they different? I, I know personally, learned that lesson myself early on as uh, my wife and I opened our small business. Uh, so, take me back to that time. Maybe the first six months. Now you're in the owner's seat. Maybe it's even earlier than that. What was one of those first lessons that hit you? That said, "Oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. This is way different than than leading a, a portion of an operation that's part of a bigger operation," which is kind of what you and I both did along the way. Yeah. Well, the first intuition came back to me was that actually um, a lot of it, I tr- I could trust the fact that a lot of that previous experience in those worlds, although it wasn't getting my hands as dirty, because I think the biggest difference, the biggest difference was that um, there were so many resources that I maybe took for granted in the corporate world yeah. Um, yeah. of people that helped you get things done with deep layers of expertise. And so... Um, that is the, I'm talking a little bit around in circles here about this, but, but the big difference was the fact that you, the learning experience of being an entrepreneur is that you have to take a lot of those things on for yourself. You might find yourself structuring a legal agreement where you might've had a team of attorneys helping you before. Um, and you're like, okay, well, I can't afford the team of attorneys. I might not even be able to afford <laughs> one attorney. So, so I've got to do this for my, I've got to do this for myself. Um, and so that, that's the big difference. But at the same time, I, I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not in Kansas anymore at, at that point, because actually there was so much that I could draw upon from my previous experience. And I think people can generally trust that, that there is a lot to draw upon from their previous experience um, in the corporate world, working for someone else that will assist and help them in that, in that stage of owning your own. Did you find that too, in owning your own business? There were lots of things that you learned. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think, look, you, you, there's a, I had some great platforms from which to learn. And, and I'd never took those for granted. And those those lessons were valuable. I look at them as having to apply them much differently. So for, for mm-hmm. sure, what how I, how I would demonstrate a skill working for a company within a company, even if I was leading my own department first, how I have to demonstrate that skill when it's just me or me and my wife working on it, that that was quite different. So the skill was still there. It's just in application, looked and felt a lot different. So that was one of the things. And yeah, then, then what you call that is great, getting your hands dirty and being prepared to do so and realizing that sooner rather than later, I, I think one of my faults early on was not realizing that getting the hands dirty was the, the way to go because I bought into something at the time that was said, oh, it's an absentee model. It really wasn't. And I should have learned it faster because you had to get your hands dirty to really get make this thing go. And, uh, you know, Lesson learned, painfully so, but you know that 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 hands dirty concept is. It's the first thing I would tell anyone that's thinking about doing it. Just know that that team is not behind you. You are the team, right? And yep. uh, the more harsher lesson is. And oh, by the way, those people that you employ, uh, you're responsible for making sure that payroll goes out on on Tuesday for the file to pay on Friday. And if that money's not there, it's going to come from somewhere, and that somewhere is you, right? And that 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 was like boom right in my face uh, a couple times early on. Uh, yeah. And I, I luckily had some, uh, some distance 
and it was a big turnaround. I mean, it had to, um, the studio was losing a lot of money when I, when I became an owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a significant turnaround. Um, and most of the, of the money that went towards that business was all in, in basically those months of losses that were going to be there in the beginning, um, as the investment to, to owning it. So I didn't feel like I was out on a limb, but I now I can really relate to that feeling that you were talking about of like, Oh my gosh, you got to make payroll. There is a weight of responsibility that you reach at those times where you have downturns. Um, man, that weight of responsibility, it does, it does hit you in a little bit different than when you're working in the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of those applications I'm talking about. We all have a sense of accountability for our metrics when we have a scorecard we're trying to reach as, as part of this department or part of this initiative or, and you and I have been through that, you know, having worked together within that business saying, okay, we've got to achieve these numbers. If you just miss the number slightly, okay, but now we're talking about much smaller margins and the margins are ours and ours alone. And for any entrepreneur, you know, his or hers and, and theirs alone to, to work through. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying about the application. It's really, I still had the same, yeah. same pressures, but the, the work that had to be done to make it happen was, was felt a little bit differently, right? Hit home just a little bit closer. Well, and I think it's, like you said, the accountability feeling, I, I don't feel any different from the accountability feeling that I felt in the in the corporate yeah. world, but the consequences seem a little bit more extreme, that's the right I think. Yeah, that's the right yeah. word, the consequences. Yeah. Because the whole business is, is going away, um, where yeah. in, in the corporate world, your your subdivision doesn't quite hit a target. Yeah. And, and even if they have to close down your subdivision, the whole business has enough cushion around it where yeah. where it's it's protected from your own actions. In this yeah. case, everybody experiences the consequences of your actions. Yeah. So it's yeah. <laughs> directly, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a great point. And then it leads into the to the next area that I explore quite a bit when I'm talking to entrepreneurs is then you get to this conundrum. So whether whatever your previous work was, so now you own this business and you know for it to succeed, you actually do need to start finding others to help you make it succeed. And you know, it's if you really want it to grow, it can't just be on your back. And as you said, getting your hands dirty, it's great. You got to know it that way. But at some point in time, you have a set of unique abilities. You you have a set of skills that are best applied in areas where you don't get your hands dirty. Within EOS, we call that delegate and elevate. You can call it what you want. But at the end of the day, your, your skill set is different from others that can get their hands dirty doing something else. Although you've got the capability to do it, you're better served elsewhere. Any moments there where you looked around and said, man, I really need to add, I can't do I have the money to add someone, but I need this help? Like, let's just talk about those first few folks that you brought on to help you make sure you're focused on the right things. Yeah. Um, like we said, it was a little bit of a restructuring at first. So it's kind of, um, the first stage was, was really about kind of cutting back and taking on more work. And then there was that, that point of where, where in order for the business to be successful, you do have to partner with someone else or bring other people onto your team. And I talked about partnering with someone else because that was the easiest route or the, at least the most apparent route for me of, um, of bringing on partners within the business and then ultimately a business partner for the, the yoga studio um, that had um, other revenue generating capabilities. For me, that was critical to the um, that was for the studio. That was part of the success in the journey of it, of, of making it through the, some of the hard times was, was having um, another business partner that had other skills to bring in additional revenue that I never would have been able to bring on, bring in on, on my own. Yeah. Um, but instead of that's a little bit more of like kind of working up on the financial statement 
to bring mm-hmm. people in um, versus working down, I guess, kind of in the cost sections of that can free you up to do more of your own revenue growth. My first expansion yeah. was was trying to find a business partner that could add to the top line um, immediately with the sacrifice of equity in order right. to do that. Um, and then, you know, I'm still cracking this. I, I still haven't exactly figured out how to add team members that kind of support me and free me up in the best way. I've got a lot of people who are dedicated to the business that help with that, but I don't think I've hit my stride with that yet in this business. I, I, I find it to be really one, one of the most significant challenges as, as companies try to get through and, and, and break through a ceiling to get to the next level. We experience it all the time in our business. It, it's it's just the reality of it, right? You know what you how you want it done. You, you you know you can do it. You know others, you know, finding someone else that can do that in the manner in which you're comfortable. What are you willing to take? Can you accept 80% of good, 70% of good? Yeah, you know, those are real, real challenges, real difficulties. Uh when you step in, you probably will escalate, you probably will elevate, but it's it's a tough first call and finding that right, right few folks really, really critical to getting you to the stage you want to get to. Um, yeah. I did want to just take a moment and give you give you some credit, and we're going to talk about the other business you've got on. You, you're no stranger to making bold moves. I don't, do you see yourself as a as someone who's willing to take bold moves? I mean, you you moved twice at least within our world at Encore Capital, right? Two significant moves: one across the country, one across the pond, right? So two significant moves there, and and now have entered into this business plus a couple others. Do you see yourself as someone who's bold, makes big big bold moves? I don't. I think I'm comfortable with um, with risk, but in my mind, I've always got like a few layers of kind of what could, if something goes wrong, then what will I do next? I feel like, so I don't ever feel naked or exposed. I just feel okay. like, um, I feel like, I, yes, this there's 50-50 shot, this could go wrong, but what positive is going to come out of it? And does that, does the intrinsic value of that, of my learning experience from it, um, and the, um, you know, the, the upside value in the case it goes right, how does that all calculate in? And so it doesn't feel naked or exposed. It just feels, it feels like, yeah, it could go wrong, but if it does, then, then the next one's going to be better. Don't take that for granted. I, I know you don't feel that way, but that making those big steps, um, I think it's critical to, to the growth that you're talking about and giving you some of that confidence because you've made them and it and it has worked out even if it didn't work out perfectly as you said the lessons learned and the growth that came from it that value has added on to the next adventure and and you've you've done it enough now that i i think it's it's safe to say that you are someone that that's willing to take that on so have a yoga studio and then here comes sacred sound of the soul which is business number 2 right yeah, yeah. tell me tell me about that and uh, cuz I, I know a little bit about it since you haven't talked to you about it but Crazy business, interesting business. How does that get going, right? So yoga, restructure, turnaround, okay, had a nice, but what, what's, the, what's the genesis for that business? Um, it was just, a, it's kind of a personal passion I started to get drawn to of, uh, in the yoga world, um, it's accompanied a lot of times by what we call sound healing, which is basically this, um, like sound bowls, like Tibetan metal bowls and crystal singing bowls and things like that. Um, and I witnessed in the yoga studio that, that, um, people 
and in particular, people who are having trouble being agitated would find stillness with this pretty quickly. So people would want to like be able to sit in stillness or meditate or those type of things. And I would see it demonstrated when a facilitator would play these instruments, all of a sudden people would have this experience. So I was drawn to more and more work with it. And I took a lot of training that we hosted in our own studio um, around it. And the facilitator of that training was kind of a, a master sound healer, kept proposing, pitching this idea as a business partner, Ryan, let's be business partners. Let's open the store together. And, um, you know, and I could not connect with the vision at all. I really, I really couldn't at that point. Um, I, I thought from my business background, when I ran any numbers or did anything, I thought, you know, this, a retail business is one of the worst things to start. Um, which is what she was proposing a retail business selling these instruments. And, um, but, um, in the training, I saw it demonstrated um, that people really were excited about these instruments, and I developed a deeper connection with it. And I just had, you know, in most of these decisions where I like, like jumping to the yoga studio, I've had some sort of internal knowing yeah. that I should do it. Um, and maybe that's going back to that kind of like the courage thing you were talking about. There was yeah. some internal knowing of like, this is going to enrich my life in some way, even if it goes wrong. So I need to try it. Um, and that, that was something that, that happened with the second business of selling sound bowls. And, um, and yeah, it, it, um, it's been extremely rewarding from an experiential perspective of the fun of it, because I'm, as you can probably tell anybody listening to this interview, I'm a pretty linear person. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the first person to start dancing when music comes on. Well, what makes it so unique, and that's why I got asked what's, what's drawn to it, right? I mean, can you could you have imagined um, when you moved to, you know, Detroit, Warren, Michigan, as we were working through that that business venture, that you would now be in the retail business of sound bowls to accompany yoga, like as it's not that long can't. ago, but it's a crazy seven, eight, nine year journey. I mean, just the the way the way the road has turned for you. I can't. Um, I can't imagine it at all. And yeah, it's even when that my business partner Amanda was proposing it. Um, you know, I would I couldn't imagine it till the last minute, and then it hit yeah. me pretty strongly that there was a there was a possibility there. And now that you know. I, I don't want to talk about these businesses as overly successful because they're all they're all month to month, <laughs> you know, a little bit of You're a downturn. I mean, absolutely, exactly. no, but, but but I think you know the, the hope here is that uh, for folks that find their way to listening to this episode, find their way to listening to this show, that to, to realize, look, there's there are folks out there making a go of it, experiencing the same set of challenges. You, you know what what we're finding as I'm having these conversations is some common themes. Like there is a purpose, there's a passion, there's some sort of cause, something greater than a, a nickel that you're trying to get from this, and the nickels will come along the way. But but you're finding something more than just maybe what you found earlier in your career, which is oh let me let me grab a title, let me grab this experience. Oh here's a pay raise. Oh did I earn yeah. this bonus? That those things which are real yeah. and needed, but you've got this opportunity. It's just a different set of opportunities to fulfill yourself. And it, you know, you, you took the time to reflect and now, you, now you're all the way in, right? You, you jumped in with yeah. uh, both feet and all the way into the, to the cold water. Yeah. It was integrating that. Can you, um, would you mind? Yeah. I was just going to say it was in, in, for me, that was integrating um, work that I could also have personal fulfillment from um, and yeah. joy and fun. And, and yeah, that, that, that was, 
an ex- it was like an experiment for me of could I do that? Could I do something in the community that would integrate everything? My family life, my my personal needs, like would it? And yeah, so. Would you mind just sharing? You've shared with me once before, and I don't know if you, if you don't mind sharing the audience. You've you've had some crazy sales, so to speak, in your sacred sound of the soul business. Could you share one of the one of the crazy ones, one of the, the bigger sales? I think you're talking about shipping something across the across the globe. Do you mind sharing one or two of those just to give folks a sense of what it is sure, that you've taken yeah. on here? Um, well, yeah, because it's 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 almost silly the 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 financial elements of this and you have to let go of some of the concepts of how you feel about, you know, believe your belief system around it to buy into it. But yeah. So the average cost of a bowl is about $2,000, a single one. And they go, this is not a mixing bowl, right? This is a, this is a serious serious piece of equipment, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's a, it's a unique piece of of crystal that's coated with all these different special elements of alchemies of precious metals and gemstones and things like that. And so, People look at these almost like a, a painting or a unique piece of art at the same time, but it, it generates a sound that they use for meditation, and um, and and facilitators use this in treatments and things like that. But yeah, they go all the way up to um, around twenty five thousand dollars for some of the larger, higher quality bowls a, a piece, and and so sales can range anywhere between you know a couple thousand dollars, or sometimes you can find one for like eight hundred thousand dollars for one bowl, um, all the way up to someone buying a set that might be fifty, sixty thousand dollars at a time. Um, and it's a yeah, it's a really interesting business that people. Um, are willing to do that. That and that yeah. was the hard element when I was when my business partner was proposing it to me. But but um yeah we we started with goals of like um you know it would be amazing if we sold twenty thousand a month and then yeah. you know moved on to it'd be amazing if we sold um fifty thousand a month and then it was amazing if we sold a hundred thousand a month and and um through our connections and and the and the amazing thing about that business is that the recurring customer base is extraordinary. Um, once you form a relationship with a customer and they they like where they're buying the inventory, the really hard part about that business is funding growth because okay. the inventory is so expensive. Um, and the and the more you have, the more successful you can be. So you're in that mode of um, of how do you how do you deal with all the tension between all those things? Yes, yeah, so we've got made? two stores just now. A, just out of curiosity, oh, you've got two stores now. So so where are they made? Where where are most um, of these made? They're made in Salt Lake City. Um, okay. And so they're U.S. made, and okay. um, yeah, they—it's where we 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 kind of make a pilgrimage to um, what they call Crystal Tones World. Um, okay. That's the manufacturer, and and um, and um, we choose the shout bowls. out Crystal Tones World, by the way. Shout <laughs> yeah. out, the Crystal- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we we and then we we choose all the bowls. We'll buy a hundred or a couple hundred at a time, and then and then we bring them back to our stores. We have one store in Sedona now, and one store in. Encinitas, California here. Awesome. Awesome. Which was just, just blows my mind. And it's opened up a lot of fun connections. We um I got to um produce a a record recently with a with a Grammy nominated artist and then my business partner. Um and we just released that in in June, uh, beginning of June, end of May. That was didn't, that was fun. Didn't even know that you're now a music producer. That that's just a, another another path that, that you've added on here. What a ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's I mean, yeah, it's one of those things you look back and okay, I'm I'm not doing this. All right. So um we so now following your passion, right? Integrating within the community. You and I have a, a 
mutual friend and now business partner, somebody you work with, Jerry Klarsfeld and, and his organization. And he, I have talked to Jerry about his story, but TDF Test, formerly TDF International. So now you're you're kind of touching back into the corporate. You know, what are you doing there? What's the role that you've taken on there? Because that kind of kind of that's kind of back to the future in that you and I were using that tool 10 years ago, 11 years ago within Encore Capital. Yeah. Um, that was something where, you know, you and I know TDF is, is really a good product. It, it's very sticky. And one of the yep. best things about it is that people can remember it for a long time. Um, do you remember your pattern? I'm putting you on DTF. the spot. Yeah. I think <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm yep. DTF. That makes I'm, sense. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. Yeah, right. No, shockingly enough. And <laughs> wait, the C is, D is just, you got to remind me, D is decisive. Yeah. He is thinking, F is feeling, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Speaking that's pretty of, close. Yeah, yeah, you got okay. it. So, All right. Yeah, so that's the point. Is like it, it, yeah. it, it lasts and people can remember it. And people can also um, really help to identify other people without being big experts in it. And yeah. so um, builds a lot of camaraderie and understanding for points of view and things like that. And, and Myers-Briggs and DISC and all the other personality patterning tools are personalysis. Many others work really well, but the distinguishing factor with TDF is that people apply it because it's so easy to remember um, and easy to learn. So TDF had this amazing customer base, you know, turn of the century and then into the, like to towards 2010 of Amex and Nordstrom and HSBC and so many different um, financial services. But they just hadn't adapted or moved their product along and didn't have really a marketing end of their business. And so as, as contacts that were heavy users of TDF fell off, the business just kind of shrank and shrank and shrank to the point of, of um, you know, pre-COVID, they, they still had really an only in-person training model. And, okay. and um, when you hit COVID and you've only got an in-person training model, um, then it creates some challenges for, for going forward. And I just maintained a relationship with Jerry the owner over time and and been brainstorming about transition plans and what, what he was going to do when he gets to retirement stage and, you know, those type of things. And, and um, we just kind of fantasized about the idea of me getting involved. Um, and at the point where, where um, we hit that COVID stage and it was, it was definitely clear like that, that we needed to adapt the company and, and, and um, yeah, I was, I was interested in helping it and, and, um, and so they basically brought me on as a business partner to okay. to help them work through that and um, and to to try to get to the company to a stage where it could kind of be its next iteration. And that's been fun. Um, you know, done a lot of revamping of it to this time and developed some e-learning and and other things that will will help get it to the next level. But but um, honestly, I've I've taken on too much. And, um, <laughs> and, um, well, I mean, in, I mean, I don't know why running three businesses after a career where you're thinking about sabbatical, but why would that be too much? I don't know. What, what, are, what, what, what yeah. are you talking about? I have no idea what, <laughs> no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's another one where, where that's a business now where I would love to, um, to, to find another, um, we would love to find another business partner that could also give more to it than, than I can at this point. Um, and take it even to the to the next level. Um, I've definitely got it to the point where it's kind of stabilized, but now the next iteration of how does this re-reach a lot of people again, I think needs a different set of skills. Have you turned out anything else in the meantime as you've been grooming these things? Have other now that you've got you got I mean, are people coming to you? Um, you know, maybe even in you know, going back to the the, the two main businesses, the, the the yoga studio and the and the sounds of soul, which are, you know, linked 
are there yeah. other avenues for you to explore there? Are people coming to you? And have you, have oh, you, yeah. you resisted mean, them? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's that like when you're going through that decision-making process? Because there's always that temptation. Well, I've, you know, I've kind of done this. Am I going to take that next step in, in that space that I, that I like to operate in? Yeah. I think franchising is the biggest discussion in that because they're yeah. businesses that are doing well enough that people see them as like, well, this should be other places. It shouldn't just be limited to this place and other people could be involved in this and, and those type of things. So, um, that's been one thing that, that, um, that, you know, there's tension between whether business partners want to do that or don't want to do that, um, or whether I want to take it on. But generally, um, I'm pretty happy with it being a localized thing and not being a big national thing, because I think right. I, I think I've got insight into the burden of making it bigger from the bigger things I've been a part of before that I'm not super hungry to get back into without a lot of things being true. So I just always say, what has to be true for me to jump into the next thing? Like if, a, if it was a franchise business and so like opening the store in Sedona, um, when my business partner was excited about doing that, I told her, well, what has to be true? We have to have good real estate that for a good value. Um, we have to have financing for more inventory. We have to, I just made the list of, and I think we yeah. learned that from the company we used to work for Scott, because uh, I think I, I saw a lot of mentors approaching things like that, like uh, Manu in India, instead of saying, yeah. um, um, you know, do you want to do this or not? It was like, what has to be true for you to do this? And so then you start putting the list of what has to be true. And that's been true for almost all the business decisions I've made is that list is put on paper. And then I start checking the boxes. And what I'm always okay. surprised by is I wouldn't believe that those things would be possible, that they would all come true at once. And then suddenly I find myself with, okay, well, we do have an awesome opportunity for real estate there as far as what we can rent and display the inventory. And and then we do have suddenly someone comes and says, I'd love to finance a business and I can do it at a reasonable rate. Um, and you've got financing and then you've got these things that come together and then you say, okay, well, that was my list of what has to be true. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to expand or ready to take this next step. Well, I, I just love that. You know, the, there's there's two really great themes that are resonating as, as you're talking. The first is you are you're sticking with your your passions, and that's allowing you to to continue to work in a space that that brings you joy, that fulfills you um, in, in in a bunch of different ways, and and then you you're avoiding uh, a bit of a pitfall or or a mistake that I observe with with a lot of entrepreneurs, which is uh, operating within gut instinct, feel and emotion. You know, you obviously you come from an analytical background, you understand the power of numbers and using data to be the driver, as you just described, understanding that, you know, what has to be true or, you know, said differently, these things have to be present for this to make sense, right? And, and making decisions based on that facts and true knowledge, data, describe it as, as you want. You got to, you're putting high value on that is critical for an entrepreneur. And when you don't and you say, well, I feel like we should go this direction. That's the, that's where those traps are, right? That's where, where they, uh, where you're going to get stuck, you're going to find yourself chasing something that's not going to work out in the long term. So kudos to you for avoiding those traps and and being able to hold on to those passions that you outlined early on. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Because because all businesses are there, right? I mean, these are all things that you've got that and 
Now you're a multiple time entrepreneur. So who would have thunk it? Here we are. Yeah, And at the same time, it's been integrating. Thank you for saying all that and recognizing that at the same time, I think the big integration of this entrepreneurial work is integrating this sense of inner knowing when it is the right time to do something or wrong time to do something. And for me, maybe I'm a late developer with that. I don't know. But for me, um, I used a lot of analytics to make decisions early on and less inner knowing. And now I feel like I'm I'm figuring out how to use more inner knowing and trusting that kind of insight that's coming from within and experimenting with it and seeing how often it is actually helpful to success um, to use it in addition to all that analytics. I think it happens when it happens. And, and for some, all they've ever seen is mom or dad has been an entrepreneur and I never wanted to work for anybody else. And that that's great. And for others, I needed to go figure something else out and do that or so I'm saying, look, the the safety uh, of a paycheck is is what's there. I think I find myself in that last camp. For a while, that was that was there. There's no safety in that either. At the at the end of the day, you've got to do the things that that bring you that that purpose. And you know that I found my where probably a little bit later than you, frankly. You know, I dabbled in some ownership, but I I found my way even later than that. But when the time is right, the time is right. Uh, yeah. Right. And that's 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 all, that's all you can say about it. And that and now you're there, and uh, you know it's. It's only a way forward. You're not looking back with with those regrets. You look back with the hey, great experiences with which I've learned, and I'm going to apply them on the go forward. I think yeah. it's a fantastic headspace to be in. Thank you. So, what's next? Is there, is there anything else that's next? You said franchising. Is there anything else that's on your that's on your mind right now that you've at least considered as a uh, where where might you turn or in any one of the three? You mentioned you know a couple things that you're thinking about, but what's kind of the top of mind for you? Yeah, I mean, what ha in my list of what has to be true for expansion of the yoga studio is is people who want to run satellites that also have financing, you know, to start up something yeah. like that. So, so um, I'm always just kind of loosely have the, you know, I'm I'm open to anybody who comes in my field that's kind of like, oh, I love your what you're doing, and I'd love to do it too. Um, same for the um, the sound store. We've got two locations, but if someone else in another location was kind of um, in that same, you know, someone that you develop a rapport with and, and, um, would like to do it, then I'd be open to expansion of those. So that's potentially next, but, um, something that's, that's present yeah. for me really is TDF and, and, um, making the, turning the corner with that and making it something where, um, where it is a thriving business. And I, I recognize because I've taken too much on that, that we need help with that. And, um, and yeah, so, definitely calling in and trying to kind of do some outreach in the connections for TDF of, of kind of where to, you know, there, what we'd love to do is license the the IP for that business, or we'd love to, um, or we'd love to be able to um, find a partner that's kind of a dedicated HR representative. that's offering a lot of HR services that would like a cap captive platform to kind of be able to take it forward from us. So that's, you know, kind of the, the next stage of TDF is very front, present for me. And then um, just keeping options open for expansion nice. with the other two businesses. The plate is full, my friend, the plate is full, which is uh, awesome. Definitely. Uh, so, so Ryan, we wrap up all of our conversations with, uh, with our rapid fire five questions, just to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, so if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's try it. What is your favorite sports team? I'd go with the Suns right, right now. Oh, yeah. And, and adding as we speak, I heard something this morning looking, you know, what's the next piece of the puzzle? So the Suns have got <laughs> something on the horizon. 
for sure. Yeah, my, not my to, son Henry is, is <laughs> not to not to set up the pun. And my son Henry is in love with that team, and it's been fun to because I, I after I moved from Phoenix, I didn't watch him for a long time, but he loves them a lot, and so watching with him has been an important part of our connection. So, yeah, I'd say the Suns. That's awesome. That's awesome. The Suns, beautiful. What would you eat for your last meal? Uh, pizza. Pizza. Yeah. You know, go yeah. all in. I, you know, pile it on, right? It's the last last one. Uh do you have a dream vacation spot right now? Do you have it? Do you have a dream vacation spot? Um, yeah. Um I'd let, I'd love to see the Far East and and a little bit of the tropical. Uh Fiji, Japan would be great. Yeah. Nice. Do you have a favorite movie that you go back to time and again, an oldie but a goodie, or a TV show, streaming, whatever? That's the new, yeah. You know, obviously, what's going on now? Anything that uh, that comes to top of mind when I say favorite movie or TV show? Oh yeah, kind of. Um, definitely guilty pleasures. Um, Pulp Fiction came to mind. Um, that, yeah. that was such a good one, but um, that's. Absolutely. Rewatchable, right? Can always pick it up from whatever part, part, part it's in and then uh, keep watching it from there. The funny thing, I watch a lot of Shark Tank with the family too. It's always fun Okay, seeing those entrepreneurial yeah. stories. Well, why not? You're in the world now. You got to see what's out there. What's the, the you know, you're, you're in the space. Um, yeah. And then, then lastly, you, you've shared a lot of great stuff uh, just from your own journey and, and things that you've pulled on, but any is there a quote or piece of advice that is, is something that you've held onto that you've been able to, to carry forward and maybe it's an anchor for you that you come back to time and again? The stuff that comes um, through the most is a lot of the, the personal mastery stuff, but I don't have one particular quote um, with that. I'm going to fail on this one, Scott. Um, there, there, there is no failure, but I, you know, that personal mastery, we didn't spend a lot of time, but the intensity associated with that, right? You, you went to the, the full nine day yeah. seminar, right? So that there, there, that's a, that's an intense inner look at, uh, at who you are and what, how you, how you what made you, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. briefly, but that's an, and it's, the thing I learned there, it wasn't a quote, it wasn't a quote, but the thing I can paraphrase from that is that, um, the things I needed to change about myself that I thought were jumping off a cliff were a mere step off the curb. And, um, and so I think that's, that's one of the things I just want to inspire people with is that um, it may seem overwhelming, but, but once you get there, it's not as you can, you you got it. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Right. I thank you for the time. I know we went a little past our, our allotted hour, but the conversation was great and there was a great story to tell here. So I thank you for, for joining us on the grow your damn business podcast. It's been a real pleasure. It's super fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And if anyone want to touch base to you about TDF or any of the other businesses, is there a good place to, to find Ryan? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, tdftest.com, um, you know, get in contact through there, soulofyoga.com, and then sacredsoundofthesoul.com um, in any of those channels. LinkedIn as well, too. I'm always active on Beautiful. LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. Ryan, thanks again. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. I appreciate your spending a part of your Friday with us and I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Bye. The Grow Your Damn Business podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. 
Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast.